Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. All right, Jay, Q, listen, Q, I I need to talk to you about something. I'm scared, Q. Listen, I didn't mean to, but I think I might have fucked up. What? What did you do? Listen, Haley died. What? <laughs> and I, I, I buried her in that pet cemetery on the hill. No. But what and I'm saying, I've told you not to do that. I know, but listen to me. Listen to me. Okay. It's all okay, cause she's back. Oh. Well, great. Yeah, and like she's fine. Okay. Ish. She looks. She looks a bit rough. A little worse for wear. Yeah. But for the most part, she's like kind of talking in full sentences now. I mean, it's unfortunate that she died in a reactor fire. I, it was crazy. Because unfortunately, that's how she's just going to look forever. I right, exactly. I mean, we've, I don't know we know all how of the, pet the cemetery rules works. of this pet cemetery. Well, the first rule of pet cemetery is you do not talk about pet cemetery, which you've already broken. Because if you talk about pet cemetery, they're... Ah! Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. Jay, I'm sorry I buried you in the pet cemetery. I'm sorry, I ruined that bit, but that was really funny. (laughs) Jay, I'm sorry I buried you in the pet cemetery. You look okay. It's unfortunate that I died in a reactor fire. (laughs) It's unfortunate that you also died in a reactor fire. But I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad (laughs) Haley's back. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be back. What can I say? You know, I feel feel a bit eviler, but I mean, I'm okay. I'm normal. Got it. Got it. I don't know why you keep lunging at people's, uh, uh, what is that? The Achilles tendon with pencils. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. sharp objects, scalpels. Scalpels, if you will. Yeah. That seems to be your thing now. I've renamed all my pets Mary Lambert. That's it. This is Mary Lambert one. <laughs> this, this is, is Mary, Mary Lambert. Lambert. No, not not numbers. Just all of the. Just like this is Mary Lambert as a collective. Got just it. All, of, oh, all, all, all of together. Them. Yeah. They are. It's they like, are Mary Lambert. It, yeah. It's like that planet from uh, Rick and Morty. It's also yeah, very Venom esque. We yes. are Mary Lambert. We are Mary Lambert, <laughs> and it's just all of my gerbils and pets and cats. Got it. I love it. I'm super into that. Oh, hey, man. Hey, Jay. Hey, hey un- Q. Hey, Undead Jay. Hey, d- real life Q. <laughs> uh, we're we're back with another episode of High Five the Podcast. We are. And, man, I, can I tell you how excited I am to talk about Stephen King stuff oh, with you? Oh, I had, I had the most giddy of excitement getting to come up with this idea for the episode with you. That as soon as we hit on this, I was like, this is going to be Jay's favorite episode. This is like a Twilight episode for me. A Twilight Zone episode for me. Which we did do. So you got you, we know, did. you got yours. And then, you know, one for you, one for me. That's right. I guess. Um, a, re- a real eye for an eye. 
You know what I mean? Yes. And in the Stephen King universe, that's an actual, like, removed eyeball. And in the Twilight Zone universe, it is a disembodied floating eye in outer space. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So um, so we are releasing this episode on Friday, April 4th, which is the day that Is it the 4th? I think it's the 5th. It is. Okay. Is today the 5th? Nope. Oh, yep. It is the 5th. Um, but- this is the weekend that Pet I know Cemetery, being dead throws off. It does. You uh, lose a day. Right. That's just thump, rule of thumb for everybody. If you die and come back, you You're lose You're always day. a day behind. Forever. It's, it's really weird. It's like, it's like jet lag, but it's more like death lag. And it's permanent. <laughs> it is. It never goes away. Um, but it's like when you're always getting the time wrong, like when you're you ch- for change, sure you yeah. change time zones. It's like that, but uh, way more permanent and way more related to you and being dead. And instead of changing time zones, you're cha- changing dead zones. Yeah, it's it's like daylight savings death. <laughs> daylight savings. Daylight savings death. Death. Death, death light savings. Death, death light savings. Yes. Time. I like that better. <laughs> death light savings time. Also, we're I, I don't know if you've noticed, but that's three Stephen King references I dropped. I said the dead zone and I said the death lights or the deadlight yeah. savings time, which is an it reference. Deadlights savings time. How you have not come in your pants already, I do not know. Maybe that's also a dead thing. It is it, well, it's related to a dead thing, but I have. I'm just very good at hiding it. Oh, got it. Got so, it. Perfect. Even though we're sitting right here looking at each other. If I'm you, being you honest, just couldn't tell. my pants are very pregnant right now. It sort of looked like a sneeze, felt the same, but it didn't look A right. wiener sneeze. <laughs> Check out my wiener sneeze. That's the name of our uh, our punk band. When we... Wiener sneeze? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we get that going off the ground, it's going to be uh, wiener sneeze. We, we just come out on stage and we're like, welcome to Detroit. Thanks for coming out. We're wiener sneeze. <laughs> yeah. This and then we first... and then we just blow like liquid all over the audience, kind of like guar. <laughs> yeah, like we just we do. We're like, I was like, this is our first song, Princess of the Ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just blow <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Everybody oh. in the front row is now pregnant. You're Wiener's, welcome. Wiener sneeze. <laughs> um. So speaking of Stephen King. Oh, man, so much King stuff coming out, man, and I love it. We are in the midst of a king assance. Another one. We had a king assance like in the 80s when every movie under the sun got made under his name and actually gave his stuff a bad name. Oh, for sure. So now we're coming back around and trying to do it right. That's right. And so far... We're not doing it wrong. We're not. You know what? I would say of the percentage of movies that turn out like pure crap versus the percentage of movies that actually are very enjoyable and close to the story I like, we're doing way better in this millennium than we did in the 1980s. I totally agree. Now let's talk some about let's let's hit it uh, uh, in two different decades. So let's talk about the 80s King Assance for a minute. Um, so in the eighties, not only was there a King of Sons, but at the time Stephen King himself was very much involved in the movie process. Oh man. So, he was uh, back then he was, uh, well, uh, I was trying to think of a, a very, <laughs> he was very like, coked out of his mind. Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I was going with that, but I was gonna be like, he was like Michael Jackson back then. But then I kind of realized that wasn't the but best, not touching children. Exactly. Um, he was very wholesome. Very wholesome person. Uh, yes, he was just doing coke, 
except for the drugs. <laughs> he ain't hurting nobody else. Right. Um, people are hurting him because they hit him with vans. That's um, true. But uh, but yeah, no, no, he was way coked out. But he, to your point, not only was involved, but like with things like maximum overdrive, maybe too involved for sure. Maybe. And that was that maybe. was gonna be my thing. Was um, I feel like Stephen King has always had a very interesting relationship with Hollywood. Yeah. Going back to the seventies with the Shining adaptation, which he is on record as hating, still to this day, he hated that movie. He hated Stanley Kubrick. I think they had a really like weird, contentious thing going on. Yeah. Um, and so, do you think that that kind of letdown of that is what spurred his wanting to be more involved in I, his projects moving forward? Because I. All, it famously I, blew up again with Lawnmower Man. That well, was another one that Stephen King like rallied and petitioned hard to get them to not be able to call it Lawnmower Man. Right. Well, those are in those situations, I'll explain because those are two different uh, scenarios. scenarios. Uh, but I'll explain both. Like with with The Shining, I think I think you're one hundred percent right. I think you know Brian De Palma's Carrie came out. And it was such a big thing, and everyone was so proud of it, and King loved it so much that he was kind of like, yeah, let's have some other, you know, artists really, like, take the what what I wrote and do something with it. You know, and then there were other movies, but then The Shining came along, and I actually understand Stephen King's critique of The Shining. Oh, okay, please explain. As a film, because... If you read the book, The Shining, and this isn't going to be one of those, well, the book was better. Right. I, I'm not going that direction. I like the book. I love the movie. I love the book. I love the movie. They're they're not the same. Sure. Um, but if you read the book, it is probably the character of Jack Torrance is the closest to Stephen King that Stephen King's ever written a character into a book outside of like when he's written himself into books. Sure. Um, like, you know, Jack is an alcoholic. He, he makes decisions that he knows he shouldn't. He's uh, more of a slave to his art than he is to his family. You know, the idea of being away in a mountaintop writing, you know, he bases off a hotel that Stephen King actually stayed at. So when in, in the book, Jack Torrance is a sympathetic character. He is being tormented by this. Sure. So, like, the ghosts that happen, the hauntings that happen, him going crazy at the end is all more of a possession of whatever evil forces are outside trying to get him. It continually lowered his resistance until he couldn't take it anymore and was succumbed by the, the hotel. Correct. And then, it's, spoilers for the book, but it came out in the 70s, so, you know, untwist your panties. <laughs> Jack saves the day at the end. Right. Like he gets a clear head and comes back and saves the day. That all that arc is very important to Stephen King because it shows redemption. It shows a light at the end of his addiction tunnel, which at that time he could not see except for the story that he wrote around it. Sure. So when Kubrick took that story and basically just said, Jack is crazy, he's going to kill his family, which in a movie sense, the cabin fever the ghosts, the addiction, right. all of that works so well in that film. But Jack is not sympathetic. No. He's not coming he back is at the end. the bad guy. Yes. And th I think that personally hurt Stephen King's feelings. 
I really think that's what it was. Sure. I think it was, I was so personally connected to this that seeing it in this way is not what I wanted. Therefore, it's a bad adaptation of my story. Sure. I think that's what happened. And well, I mean, of, oh. what you're discussing, are, they're, they're very thematically different. Then. They are. They are. Be- because they don't share the same arc for their right. main character. They, they don't. And the thing is, a lot of the same things happen. You know, there's the hotel. There's sure. the blood in the elevator. The there, shining. There's the shining. There's, you know, the room, uh, 216 or 216? 237. 237, yes, thank you. There's the room. All that's in there. You know, the old the dead woman. But right. then they're like – but the rest of the story, like the, all the familial aspects of it that happen with the Torrances – Are different. Are different. Um, and and the things that happen in the book all align with that arc. And the now, things that happen in the movie are just – it's a way of showing Jack going more crazy. Well, let me ask you this then. In the 90s, they did a remake, a yes. television miniseries of The Shining – which is said, which I have not seen. If I'm okay. being totally honest, it is real it, bad. It, it, well, I was about to say, but it is said to have the same arc as the book. Yes, and you did not enjoy it. It's well. The is thing it bad because it's just a bad miniseries? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. the The actors they chose for it are not good in the characters. It is okay. not well written. Yeah, I love Mick Garris. Sure, but it's not well written. It's not well acted. The story, as an adaptation, it's way closer to sure. to the book than than the movie, but it's just not good. Got so it. that's that's the bummer about that one is that the stuff that happens in Stephen King's story all happen in that miniseries, and the arc's the same. It's just not well it's, done. It's just not good. Got so it. So that's sort of a bummer. But I do think because of the thing, and I've read that because of the Shining incident i should say i guess sure. stephen king became very much more involved. like it became contractually obligated that he have the final say on scripts after that um it became congratulate contractually obligated that he in some capacity as a producer was on set and had the ability to make decisions and changes if he wanted all of that happened after the shining now what i also think happened to the other question that you ask about like what happened with his bad movies. Sure. I also think Dino De Laurentiis happened. Got it. Uh, and if, for people who don't know, go look up Dino De Laurentiis. He's wonderful. A but very he, prolific producer. Yes. And he fell in love with Stephen King stuff. And he was the driving force around getting a lot of the movies in the 80s made. Uh, I think he did Silver Bullet, Maximum Overdrive, I think he did Christine, even though that one's pretty good. He did a handful of them. Um, he's just a bad. It's a he's just bad at making <laughs> movies. I mean, I hate to say that he's just not great at it. Sure. Um, but it's like a it's it's like when you see uh, something that starts off with Canon Pictures. Sure, like you know what you're in for. And Daniel De Laurentiis is the same thing. So he's the one that greenlit like eighty percent of the Stephen King movies in the eighties, and because. All of his movies are bad. It seems like all the Stephen King movies are bad. That's sure. not necessarily true, but man, that's the way that it feels, you know? Sure. Because sure, during sure, that sure. time, like when Silver Bullet's coming out, when Maximum Overdrive's coming out, when um, uh, Sometimes They Come Back and Sometimes They Come Back Again are coming out, when all those movies are coming out. Oh, wow. You, he did. You're right. I'm looking right now. He did Dead Zone, yep. Firestarter, Maximum Overdrive, Silver Bullet, Cat's Eye. Yep. Wow. 
I'm telling you, he did 80% of them, Q. And the thing about it. He also did Evil Dead, though. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing is he's, there are times when he nails it. Like, The Dead Zone is a very good movie. Right. The Dead Zone's a very good movie. But the rest of, like, Cat's Eye is meh, fine. Silver Bullet is kind of meh. Maximum Overdrive is flat out bad. You know, there's there's a lot of them. Um, And then I think through the Dino De Laurentiis swell, that's when everyone, we just kind of got sick of Stephen King. Even though during that time period you had, you know, Misery would come out or Dolores Claiborne would come out. You'd have your prestige king. Yeah. And then you'd have your throwaway pulp king. Exactly. And the throwaway pulp king was just more recognizable. Sure. And so it became synonymous, which is a bummer. So do you think um, – all right. So that – they had this weird – so speaking of the king – the king if you will. So you had the early 70s productions. Right. You had your up through the 80s. And then the king kind of transitioned into something different in the 90s when it became all miniseries adaptations. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, all of his material, they were like, let's not make movies anymore. Let's do – TV, and that's when you got the Langoliers, the Golden Years, uh, the uh, the Stand, it Kingdom, Kingdom Hospital, Kingdom Hospital, uh, the Silver Bullet, or no, Riding the Bullet, right? Technically, Salem's Lot was a made-for-TV movie, <laughs> not a miniseries, but there was a miniseries oh, that's though. Right, there was a late '90s Salem's Lot miniseries with Rob with Lowe. Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah, which uh, Rob Lowe also in the Stand miniseries. Oh, that's right, he played Nick. Yeah. Blind, totally good old right. blind Nick. M O O N. That spells Rob Lowe. That <laughs> does spell Rob Lowe. Um, so, what do you think? You know, as a King fan, I'm going to kind of um, divert to you a little bit on sure, some of sure, these. Sure, sure, sure. I want to know your opinions. I mean, I'm a King fan too, but I'm not nearly the level that you are. What do you think um, wanted made that transition from 80s film? adaptations to the 90s miniseries adaptations do you think it was just because not in the 90s miniseries were hot so that was like you know there you had all sorts of stuff getting made in the 90s you had like that's when they did the alice in wonderland miniseries that uh 10th kingdom miniseries you had like miniseries were happening like one after another each network was like battling for the best miniseries yeah do you think that was it? Do you think it was people were like, man, his books are better suited to be told in a longer format medium? I wish it was that, Q. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish that it was that last one that you were saying. Like, people looked at the the art and the transcripts and the manuscripts that Stephen had written and was like, you know what? We can get a better story if we tell this in long form. I really don't think that's what happened. Um, I, I really think it was just sort of one of those perfect timing Got type it. explosions because if I'm correct, and man, I know Twitter's going to correct me if I'm wrong, which is great, but the <laughs> It miniseries was supposed to be a movie. Okay. So if you look at like the director, the writer, everyone who was involved with it, it was supposed to be a film. And then somewhere along the line, there was either some uh, studio interference or timeline interference or budget. Inter- something happened that they were like, you know what? We'll just do this as a miniseries. And that happened in the in 1990. That miniseries exploded. It was like, it, wildly popular. Oh, it was. If I'm not mistaken, ABC's very first like premiere miniseries event. 
Got and it. they sort of did it at the end of the Stephen King like swell of popularity. Sure. And after seeing how successful the It miniseries did in 1990, then from then on out, it was like, well, what else can we option? Because sure. The Stand came in 1994. Um, Kingdom Hospital came later in the decade. Now, to be uh, fair, Kingdom Hospital was Stephen King's adaptation of a Lars von Trier show. True. From Sweden. So technically True. not his... Not his an adaptation of his work, so to speak. True. I guess the Golden Years would be a better example. That or Langoliers. Langoliers, which that one's that one's tough to get. That I love that tough. story, and I love me some Bronson Pinchot. But but uh, man, <laughs> holy that crap. is a that is a hard watch. That's that's one of the ones where you go back to and you're like, oh wow, we are way better at special effects now than we yes. used to be. And oh wow, we did not try back in the nineties, <laughs> like. <laughs> We were able to skate by on a lot when there wasn't an internet forum where anybody can make content. For sure. When you just got what was on TV and you're like, well, I guess this is the best I'm going to get. You kind of like everything. But I feel like, so Stephen King had a very like prolific 90s miniseries kind of moment. Um, he even wrote directly as a miniseries, Storm of the Century. Right, which that I was owned that the, wasn't uh, even a novel for. to begin with, right? He wrote that no as a teleplay. He wrote that as a teleplay, and then they released the teleplay as a novel later. But yeah, and that was fine. It was, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it the thing about it is that one's like any a, a lot of other ones of his stories, which is kind of a bummer. Like instead of Storm of the Century, I kind of just wish they'd done the Mist really well. Sure. But, you know, they did eventually get around to doing the mist really well when they gave it to Darabont. So, I guess, apples and oranges, really. Right. So, okay, that leads me to my next question. Then. That's that's what this is going to be. This is going to be Q&A <laughs> with Q&J. <laughs> Q&A with Q&J. A Q&J. Um, okay, so as a Stephen King fan, where do you fall on the miniseries? I, have you seen the majority of them? I know I have, for sure. I have seen... But I don't have books to compare to, so all no, I know is the televised versions of what right. I saw. Um, honestly, like as as they go, the thing about with Stephen King is I try very hard not to, and I do this with any any books. Is I don't like to be the well, the book was better, dude. Right. So I try to take them in as different mediums. Like sure. I understand that you can do things in a novel that you just cannot do in a visual medium of film, um, or that you can't do well. Um, and so when I watch the miniseries, uh, I'll give you my rundown. I adore the It miniseries. Yep. There are a lot of things that are different from the book. There are a lot of things that I wish they had done better, and there are a lot of missteps I think they make. But as a whole, for the first shot out of the gate, I think the It miniseries is awesome. Awesome. Okay. I love the Stand miniseries. Yeah. I, think I it, also love the Stand miniseries. It is so good. It is so good. It they changed the end of the book quite a bit for oh, the really? end of okay, that miniseries. Way different. Well, not way different, but different enough that's very noticeable. But I love it. Like they don't pull a lot of punches, which the book doesn't, and I love that they do that in the miniseries. I think the people they have in the miniseries, uh Lara Giacomo. Giacomo. Yeah, yep. Giacomo, I think she's wonderful in it. Um, Randall Flagg is probably my favorite 
uh, portrayal of, that. Yeah. Of, of the Randall Flagg character. I love Gary Sinise. I think if you're going to do a 90s sort of everyman good guy character, Gary Sinise is just He was perfect, perfect. for that. Now, he's also great in, like, Ransom. Like, he's a good bad guy. Gary Sinise, just flat out good actor. High five stance, Gary Sinise is good. Um, I know, hot take. Hot, <laughs> hot take, take, I know. Um, and then, like you said, you have Rob, Rob Lowe in there. Um, you got a, an early Parker Lewis. He can lose, though. He loses hard. In that, that is in that very story. true. Some good old Corbin Nimick. Yeah. Uh, some Molly Ringwald. I mean, those, those two, in my mind, are sort of the premier ones. Sure. The Langoliers, as you and I have talked about, is, is terrible. I love the concept of it. I love the story. I do not like the adaptation. Sure. Golden Years is fine. I, I, I think I watched it like once, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I moved on. What was your take on stuff like Rose Red? That I liked. That one is one where I'll say, like, I, 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 I liked it. I liked that it was there. I liked when I watched it. I have not gone back to it like I've gone back to The Stand and It. Now, there was also, uh, I think the sequel was The Diary of Ellen Rimbauer. That one I didn't see. Okay. I don't, did you watch that one? I did. I've seen all, literally all of the Stephen King miniseries. I've, I've seen all of the, the, I think what I would call the label ones, the ones that like jump out of Stephen King's ones. But that one, that sequel one, I haven't seen. What would you think of that one? Um, Diary of a- Ellen Rimbauer. Uh, interesting because basically it's a sequel, like a, a sequel prequel. Right. Oh, okay. To Rose Red, and it uses the characters from Stephen King's Rose Red, but it's at the novel and the screenplay are written by somebody else. So, oh, interesting. Uh, it's written by a guy named Ridley Pearson. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like a weird tie-in and mm. less of a adaptation i was just curious if you had yeah. seen it um it's not awesome yeah um that's it yeah. <laughs> the end the end i mean it's not awesome it's not awesome know. um but they also did um uh da, 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 da. god there was like another one that i was gonna bring up that we had glossed over uh adaptation um oh speaking of rose red though rose red always felt very the haunting of Hill House to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is very similar in yeah. like story and concept. Well, Stephen King loves that story. He talks about that uh, haunting of Hill House book a lot when he does like writings and dissertations on horror, which doesn't surprise me because that feels like that was his best stab at mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a take on the haunting, haunting of yeah. Hill House. Um, but I really liked that. Um, there was God. There's so many. Even more, they did the weird nightmares and dreamscapes. Oh yeah, that one was fun. Yeah, that one was which fun. was basically like a Stephen King Twilight Zone. Yeah, series, and that was fun because it was like a Stephen King Twilight Zone. But at that point, it's kind of like we had, um, we had Twilight Zone. We had a couple iterations of Twilight Zone. We had uh, uh, Amazing Stories. We had um, oh, what was that other Outer Limits? We had Outer Limits. Yep. We had uh, Tales. From the dark side. Um, from the dark side. We had Tales from the Crypt. So by the time Nightmares and Dreamscapes came out, it was like, unless every episode is going to be a mini adaptation of a Stephen King story, I kind of don't care. Right. Totally. 100%. And they were all like, these are like Stephen King adjacent. Some are his stories. Some may not be. Let's see what happens. I'm like, they, nah, let's not see what happens. They also had, uh, they did a mini series of Desperation. Yeah, that one. Okay. 
Did you see that one with Ron Perlman? I did. I try not to think about that one. Okay, fair enough. Because it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Ron Perlman's good in it. The story is great. I adore that book. Really? Like Desperation and its sort of sister novel, the Richard Bachman sister novel, The Regulators. Uh-huh. They're very they're they're all they're related. I adore those books. And so I was so prickly about that miniseries that I don't think I gave it its fair share when I watched it. That's fair. So I tried, I watched it once and have not gone back to it, but I try to reserve judgment because when I did watch it, I was like, nope, 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 <laughs> like the whole time. But then I thought about it later. And I was like, you know what? As a miniseries that actually I, I enjoyed watching it, but I just, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get the book out of my head. So let's talk about uh, – so we've talked about miniseries, and we can go back to that. We've talked about the 70s and 80s. Let's talk about a concept that I was very intrigued about once I heard about it, which is Stephen King's Dollar Babies. Oh, yeah. Which is where Stephen King would option some of his stories to, like, a co- like thesis students and mm-hmm. a film students for a dollar yep. to be able to adapt his stuff. And I believe Frank Darabont started out – using a dollar baby of Stephen King's in grandma. Yeah. Is that what it was? Or it was something, it was like um, a, it was about it a was mother a, dying. It was, it was um the woman, the lady in the room or the woman in yes. the room, I think yeah. is the name of it. Yeah. It, that's actually really good. Um, But yeah, yeah, you're right. So I don't have anything to add to that. He film students who were doing their finals could option his stories for a dollar if they chose, which is um, a very cool like, that's really cool. I think that's just a – and that also kind of is just a really good depiction of Stephen King's love and hate relationship with Hollywood. Right. Like, he, he clearly loves movies and the concept of his stories being adapted. Um, but I also feel like it's kind of a fuck you to the studios. It, it is a little bit because he started the Dollar Babies thing after the, the Shining stuff. Like it, it became part of the, well, I'm going to control the rights. And since I have control, I'm going to make this decision for students. Right. And so it, it all birthed out of that. Now, one of the things now, this is going to this whole episode is going to be a, a lot of love fest for Stephen King, probably. Uh, but one thing that I will say is that because of his involvement with some of these movies, I always take his comments about the films with a grain of salt because obviously he tends to do this a lot. He even did this with The Shining when it first came out is before The Shining was released. He was like, man, go see this movie. It's going to be great. I I freaking love it. And it was only after the release that he kind of changed his mind on that. He tends to do that a lot is anytime there's a movie coming out about or like from one of his stories, he's like, oh, I've been on set and it looks so great and go watch it. It's like, because of course you're going to get money from that. Sure. He has a vested interest in having a lot of people go see his movies. Um, One of the shit, Jay, sorry, not to interrupt you. Are you aware that dollar babies are still a thing? Yeah, I am. Because uh, it didn't uh, Muschietti do a dollar baby. Jay, why haven't why haven't we decided to produce Dollar Baby? Because <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. We should we should totally do a Dollar Baby. Guys, audience, listeners, if you want us to try our hand at making a Dollar Baby short film, 
based off of a Stephen King work. There's I'm looking at Stephen King's website right now. There's a whole list of stories that are available to be dollar babies. Let's do it. All right. Let's, so if 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 we can get, we're gonna do a, a crowdfund for this. So for uh, sure, we're gonna do a Kickstarter to get a dollar baby made. So if if four people would like to donate a quarter to the cause, yes, we can we have will, the dollar. We'll and have we'll the buy the rights and we'll buy the rights to it. Um, we should talk about this more off of more off of the show. If people are interested in seeing an adaptation, we could probably produce one of these relatively inexpensively. My friend. I I could. And I, I, I could definitely visualize that would be fun to, to make this happen. Yeah. That would be fun. Okay. Be anyway, fun. back to – but I, I just wanted to bring that up because we are talking about Dollar Babies, mm -hmm. and it's kind of one of those – that's literally the concept is, like, why not? Yeah, if exactly. You wanna, like, it's you a dollar for the rights to a really great story. Why not? Yeah. I dig it. I, I'm on board. Let's, figure, let's get that list and figure out which one we need to do. Okay. Go ahead. Um, but, oh, oh, what I was saying is that I don't trust his opinion on movies, really, of his own movies. So even when I see things like the the upcoming Pet Cemetery or today's Pet Cemetery, I should say, and Stephen King's like, oh, the movie's fucking great. I'm excited by that because Pet Cemetery does look good. But I'm also nervous because he also said Dark Tower was very good. Oh, and did he say that the Dark Tower movie was very good? Yes. Oh, it he, was not. It was it really was, terrible. It was it was quite quite <laughs> bad. Um well, I, okay, let me you've asked me questions. I want to ask you some questions. So, sure. we, let's talk a little bit about Dark Tower. Yes. You know that's my favorite book series ever. Yes. Um we've talked about it quite a bit. We talked yes. about it a lot when that movie was coming out. We have a whole episode on what we think of that movie so people can go back in the catalog and find it. Yes. Um but you read some of the the Dark Tower books, but then you stopped. You bailed on them. Yep. So I want I, I want to remember how far you got and where what you thought of them because they're you know they're coming out with the Amazon show, right? Um, and so okay, we can kind of so, talk about Dark Tower as a as a unit. So we've talked about it. Um, I got on. Let me get. Let's see here. I was on the second book. Okay. Um, I got through the first one, and I think I remember telling you the first one was a was a hard read. Yeah, um, it is a very slow story, and a lot of it is walking. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it is walking, and then there are like major flashback. Sure, like, but it is it is chapters. a it was a hard read yeah. for me. But I got through it, and I enjoyed what came out on the other side. Um, the second book was very good. And to be honest, I think I stopped mainly because we went and saw the dark tower and that movie just turned this me just off bummed you out <laughs> so much that I was like, Just God, like, no. if this is what the rest of the book series is like. I am uninterested. <laughs> um, well, the good news is that none of that is in the rest of the books. Perfect. Um, I will say that you and I did talk though at, at length, kind of explain because you because i i had expressed that concern to you when i was reading it i was like man i don't know that i can hang on through seven books if you know it's going to be like the first book and you're like no 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 the second book is is much better much more action-packed yeah for sure um and then you said and then it just kind of continues from there like yeah. it just is is a you know a story that really just kind of keeps along at a clip but you did say and i can't remember if it's the the wind through the keyhole or the 
the Wizard in Glass, but one of them is like a prequel that basically tells uh, Roland's story. Yes. Which one? Which one is that? That is the uh, the Wizard in Glass. Okay, so the Wizard in Glass goes back and tells young Roland's story. Yeah. The Wind Through the Keyhole does as well, but the the primary one is Wizard in Glass, and that is my favorite book of the whole series. I think it's wonderful. That's actually what's being adapted by Amazon. And that's what I was going to say. The new Amazon series, I yeah. know that they just, because they were releasing casting information, they right. cast a teenager as yep. Roland. So I was like, this has got to be an adaptation yeah. of that then. And it's a white teenager, so it is not uh, in the it is not in Elba the, universe. The, it is not in the Akiva Goldsman shit verse. No, it is not the shit averse. It is the not shit-iverse. in the shit-iverse. It is not in the Goldsman shit averse. Um, so that will be interesting. And yes, to your point, you know how in the first book it goes through and talks about how Roland became a gunslinger, like he yes. had a fight court, and we had the Falcon and all yes. Of that. Yes, yes, had David the Bird. That all sets up Roland becoming a gunslinger. The wind, uh, the wizard in glass picks up after he's a gunslinger. Yes, and his first like mission. Got it. So that's so in the um, I forget in the the first book where you were. Uh-huh. Did Roland catch his mom sleeping with yes. Martin the wizard? Okay. Yes. It picks up right there. Okay. So he goes back to his room basically and his father comes in and says you know i know you're gonna try and do something dumb basically right so i'm gonna send you and your friends on this mission in a very far away place so you cannot do something dumb because martin will kill you if you go after him and i do remember if i remember correctly in the first book too it is um martin is revealed to be a guise for the man in black Martin is yes, Martin is an evil. He is an evil entity and I think he's related. Yeah. Right. And they kind of talk about that at the end of the first book cuz I remember the right. end of the first book gets super surreal, metaphysical for sure. With with him and Martin or the man in black sitting around a campfire and basically like talking about the gods. Yeah. And like, like existence. It's like right. the last the, there's a good 5 pages of that book that's all just like metaphysical theory right and honestly that's where i got re-engaged again because i was like this is like a weird fascinating it's twilight zoning totally totally 100 percent um so i are you excited for the new amazon series i am i just want trepidatious now that i am (laughs) i want to forget the the idris elba one happened like that which is unfortunate because i know in the in concept idris elba if if they were going to change the race of the character, I am totally on board with Idris Elba, Roland. And I think he did okay. It's one of those things where the movie I thought was bad, but he, I can see him as the character. Totally. And I can still see him as the character. And that's why in my in mind, movie. when they announced it, I was like, oh, okay, yes. Like, I'm fine with that. It does play against some things that happen later in the book series that we've talked right. about. There, Because the book series deals with racism. Yep. Um, and so I was interested to see how they're going to adapt that or if they're just going to leave that out altogether. Because um, one of the characters is very racist. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, especially specifically racist towards white people towards white people and 
Roland is the brunt of that because in the books he embodies basically the he's Clint very Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood right. at, you know esque cowboy type totally and so um, so I am curious to see how they're going to change that but in concept once again Matthew McConaughey seems like a good choice I have been saying for years and I will stand by this that in the stand. If you take the paragraph that introduces Randall Flagg and it talks about his mannerisms and, and who he is, Matthew McConaughey is the cast. Like, it's Matthew McConaughey's perfect for it. And now, and so, for a while, he was circling an adaptation of The Stand. As the one that, that. Ben Affleck was going to do, maybe? Yes. Yeah. The and one that's he, still happening? Okay, I think Josh Boone is doing it. Yeah, it got changed over a couple times, but I do think it's still happening and somewhere. It is getting it got announced. It's happening. It's happening as one of those CBS all the, access things. All access things, uh, kind of like I the gotcha. new Twilight Zone. Like it's going to be a CBS all access miniseries. Okay. Um, but I still would have loved Matthew McConaughey. I would have loved for him to do a great job as as Randall Flagg. I would have been. He phoned it in. Hard. Oh, so hard. It was like he forgot if he was on the set for The Dark Tower or Beach Bum. Like, he, totally. It was just like, what are we doing? And Matt? I remember they just had some like weird choices. And we could go on at length about this. But if you well, want to hear did. our thoughts yeah. for sure, go listen to our Dark Tower uh, rant. It was the, what do we call it? It was something clever. It was like the, the, Review of the three or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah, it was something like that because we had Amanda join us too. Exactly. Um, but you can go to our website and just search Dark Tower and you'll find it. Um, um, but I do – okay, so I want to ask you then um, – or no, you ask me. I like being asked things. I just don't <laughs> – I can't compare – I can't compare to the book series. So Well, well, I, I do have a question because, you know, what – if we're following the pattern and the timeline uh, and the chronology of what we've been talking about, we started with, you know – the 70s moved into the miniseries and the, in the 80s 90s. and the 90s. Talked a little bit about the Dark Tower and kind of some stuff that, that picked up steam in the aughts. But what we have now, and I would say probably the last 10 years, is we have a handful of adaptations that are coming out. And I would say doing a very good job. You know, things like 112263 and Gerald's Game and 1922. Oh, can I go back a little bit further it. even and bring up the fact that I think Frank Darabont may be one of the best and premier people to ever adapt Stephen King books? Yep. I would say let's go back to where Darabont really got involved. So, like, middle aughts, early aughts. Like, yep. that's where we are now. And that's a lot of what, you know, you have – well, you've been privy to everything, but sure. I mean, what what has your opinion of the last ten years of ten, fifteen years of Stephen King been? I think um, so far, all of the Stephen King adaptations in the last uh, ten, last decade or so, I think have been really good. I think we're moving into a new golden age that's happening within just the last like three to four years, right? But I think over the last ten years, we've gotten some really. I think this might be a slightly outside, but. Um, You've got uh, Shawshank Redemption is an amazing film just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got The Mist, which I absolutely love. I know people are kind of divisive on that, but I think I don't it's understand a, that. It's a straight up good movie. It is a good movie, and while I know they changed the ending, they did a good thing. I know they made it way darker. <laughs> yeah, 
And I know Stephen King loved it. Yeah. He said it's the ending he wished he wrote. Totally. Because it's one of those things where it it suits the story. It feels well, it feels like a Stephen King ending. Stephen King loves to have the end where it's like, all right, breathe and terror. <laughs> like, exactly. He loves that. Like Pet Cemetery, we're talking that's coming out today. I don't know if the new movie that's coming out today is gonna end like the old one in, in the, the same book, place. But that's a dark end. Like that movie has a dark end. A lot of his movies have dark ends. For sure. Um, and so yeah, that's and that's no different. Um, but I think that one's amazing. I really loved 1408. That's really good too. I thought it was a very good movie. Um that that was on um what was the name of that? It was an audiobook. It was called like Cigarettes and something that Stephen King put out. That's actually only an audiobook. Oh, I have well they re-released it in a short story collection. Right. It's and then of- I have that. Um I forget the name of that short story collection though. But um that was okay, so truth be told, I'll put it out there, my father is a massive massive diehard Stephen King collector and fan. Oh man, um, me and your dad would get along. He um he I only wish me and my dad got along. <laughs> uh Womp, womp, you, womp. you and Stephen King both. That's a real Stephen King uh, twist there. That's <laughs> a real. Well, that's a real thing you and Stephen King have in common. For sure. Um, but he has a massive collection. And so my connection to Stephen King honestly came through my dad over the years. He would eventually, if he got like a double copy of a book, he would throw me nice. the book. And he'd be like, nice. here, check this out. Um, and so that's how I got Storm of the Century. Um, that's how I got it. That's how I got, um, what was the, what is the, um, the short story collection that has the guy, the doctor that gets stranded on the island and surgically oh, survivor man. Yes. Um, wh- that one is, uh, Oh, I want to say it's night shift and that, okay. He gave me a copy of night shift. Then that was fascinating to me. And they're actually doing an adaptation of that. For another God, I can't remember what it was. Survivor Man adaptation, but I was so excited. I can't wait to see. No that Survivor ad- type. Survivor type. Okay, and that one's fascinating because the whole writing style degenerates as the character goes more and more <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I looked it up. It was Skeleton Crew. Skeleton that, Crew. Okay, that, that was in, and, and that one is also really good. Um, but uh, I really loved fourteen oh eight a lot. Did th- sorry, ahead. sorry to interrupt. Did you see? Okay, you said they're they're adapting that. Yes. I just looked it up. Greg Nicotero is directing yes. an adaptation of that for the new Creepshow TV series. Yes, that was it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Creepshow yes, yes, yes. is another one that we didn't even talk about that movie, but that was also like mini Twilight Zone esque. But it was I love the Creepshow movies. The, yeah, the, the George, first one in particular. George Romero. The second one, not so much. Not so. The much. third one, don't even watch. But the first one. I make him. I've made Amanda watch it like three times. It's good stuff. My cake. <laughs> Where's my cake? <laughs> it's it's good quality king. Yeah, it really. It it's really good pulpy is. king. It um, is. But if we're continuing on the Frank Darabont train, uh, the Green Mile. Oh man, is 
an amazing adaptation. You know, you know what I'm going to say about the Green Mile. I don't want to take anything away from Frank Darabont. I don't want to take anything away from Stephen King. But I cannot watch Green Mile without being utterly devastated that Michael Clark Duncan is dead. Oh no, I will not disagree with you at all. And the thing is, you got Tom Hanks in that movie. You've got Sam Rockwell in that movie. You've got the dude that married that that. 12, 14 year old girl in that movie. Per- perfect. Thank you. What's his name? Um, that actor? I can't remember I his remember, name. Remember, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't, uh, uh, Roman, one Roman Polanski. Um, you've but, also uh, got, uh, what's his name? Who was also in, um, shit. We just talked about it. That sh- the Langoliers. Yes. Yes. Oh crap. Now I need to look it up. Um, but like you've got so many good actors in that movie and, the fact that I cannot think about that movie without thinking about Michael Clark Duncan and how sad I am that he's gone is a testament to Michael Clark Duncan for sure. But no, uh, David Morse is the guy David I was trying Morse. to think of. He's and then what's the old man actor. who's in so many Stephen King adaptations? You're thinking of Cromwell, James Cromwell. No, nope, the other you? one. No. Nope. Oh. The other one who played one of the prison guards. He's in. Michael he's Jeter? In... No. Nope. Hold on. Barry he, Pe- Barry Pepper's not old. Nope. Harry he, Dean Stanton? Nope. I'm naming a lot of good people from that movie. I know. I'm trying to find it real quick. He's in he was in uh The Walking Dead. Graham Greene? He is no. uh hold on, I'll find it. James Cromwell, Michael Jeter, Graham Greene. Nope, nope. Not Doug. Doug Hutchison is the guy who di- oh. who married the Jeffrey DeMunn. Oh, Je- right. Jeffrey DeMunn okay. is also in a bunch of Stephen King stuff. He was also. Yes, he <laughs> I always forget about this guy. This is, this is a guy of like a, oh, I've seen that guy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, there's a bunch of really good Stephen King stuff. Now, I will say we watched um, what was the Castle Rock television show? Oh, yeah. So Man. I remember you and I were really excited about I that. was. I'm Haley, actually getting excited about season two again. Haley was really excited. We were like, oh God, we're gonna watch this. And I'm gonna be honest, it the whole thing just kind of was a big fart. Like I know. it just it felt like they wanted to do more and it just kind of went to a weird place. Right. But that's another one that didn't really make a lot of sense. Like it had such a good cast. Yeah. It had the pedigree. It had Abrams behind it. And then it just kind of shit the bed a little bit. What I will say, uh, we watched about half of that show. Yeah. Couldn't get through all of it. We finished it. There were a couple of episodes. There was like a Sissy Spacek episode. Yes. That was really good. Yep. The pilot was also, I thought, pretty good. I don't know. It just, yeah, it just, it couldn't sustain itself. It needed. Honestly, it needed to be a five-part miniseries and not like a 18-episode season. I could not agree like, more. A five-part, hour-and-a-half-long episode apiece miniseries could have done that story really well. Um, now, I will say, have you read about season two coming out? I have. Like, it's got um, it's got uh, Misery. You know, yep. Annie Wilkes is in yep. there. Although she has a kid, which is weird. So it's it's again, it's gonna be weird. It's I'm gonna have to see how it goes, but 
could be cool. I, I feel like, but that's good. what I felt about the first I season. I know, I know, that's what I felt. About I was the first like, season oh, too. this is this could be very cool. And then I watched it, and I was kind of like, I kind of yeah. feel duped a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but aside from the the negative, there's been some really good. Uh, it was it. absolutely oh fantastic. And, and we the- have another review episode. If you want to hear our thoughts in depth on that one, go check yeah. out our review of it. Um. And we've got chapter two coming out later this oh year. Oh my god, I'm so excited! I like, come on! And in in that in our episode on it, we did fantasy casting for yes. for the new one. I think we got like two of them right, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we said Jessica Chastain, and didn't we say James McAvoy? We did. Yeah, and I think we also might have said Bill Hader at one point. I think may, you you had I thrown may, out Bill Hader. I may have. But I can't remember if that was the time when we knew he was circling it or not. I know none of us said Isaiah Mustafa. <laughs> no. When none of us were like that Old Spice guy. Yeah. Nope. No. That didn't happen. I think we were really pushing for uh, Lakeith Stanfield at the time. I think we were. Or I also said the dude from Walking Dead, but we said he was too old. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also said him. I still think he'd be good at it. Or just get the guy who was in the original It miniseries. For sure. He was great. (laughs) To come back and do it again. Yeah. He was great. No, I'm very excited about It Chapter 2. You know, you and I saw the first one together. uh, Loved. I love that first one. I think what they were able to do, what the Muschietis were able to do with that story was great. And that's another one I'm real excited, and I can't believe that movie comes out in September, and we haven't gotten a trailer for it yet. No. And I am dying. Like, I want to see the trailer for that so bad. And I think that that, um, what is it, the Scary Stories movie, that comes Uh out in, like, October. I know. We've already gotten a trailer for that. We're getting close. So it's like, give me a trailer for it. I want to see that. I also remember I I, uh, messaged you about a week or two ago, or maybe longer now, um, but when they announced that they had officially moved up Dr. Sleep from releasing next year to this year. So now you're getting a Mike Flanagan direct Dr. Sleep in November, I think. I'm I'm curious. Can I I air some trepidation about this? You know my feelings towards Mike Flanagan. Yes. I love you want to make sweet, sweet love to his I brain. Do. I want to, I want my name to be Jay Flanagan. <laughs> um, I am so nervous about Dr. Sleep but Why? For, for two reasons. One, from what I can tell of like early interviews and things, it seems like the studio wants to make this a sequel to the shining, like the yes. movie, the shining, the book, Dr. Sleep has a couple of things in it. One, it's a mediocre book. Oh, like, really? It's you fine. Like, you don't love it. I don't love it. It's not one of his best. I have read much worse. It's okay. good. I okay. enjoy the book. I enjoyed reading it. It's not one of his best. It's no 11-22-63. It's no The Shining. It's no Pet Cemetery. Got it. Um, But the, the resolution, the whole third act of Dr. Sleep takes a lot from the third act of The Shining. It matters how Jack Torrance died and in what emotional state he died in. Oh, okay. The resolution of the story that was written for Dr. Sleep, it hinges hinges on on the fact that Jack Torrance wasn't a devil. Really? And so with that knowledge, 
Doctor Sleep being a sequel to the movie where that is not the case, as we indicated at the beginning of this episode, makes me nervous because they're going to have to do a couple things. They're either going to have to retrofit the end of Kubrick's The Shining, which I don't think you can do. Sure. Two, they're going to have to change the story and the premise and the third act of Doctor Sleep, which I kind of hope they don't do. Or three, they're going to have to muddle their way through it, which I kind of hope they don't do. And because I can't see a way out of it, I I know my, I'm just going to have to trust that Flanagan is smarter than I am. Because so far he's proven that he is. I mean, People he said did, you couldn't do Gerald's game. And it was fantastic. Awesome. You know, I didn't know how he was going to do Haunting of Hill House because it's a story we all knew. And it was fantastic. Level. My yep. favorite horror-themed television show of the last decade. Oh, easily. Same. So, I trust him. But it doesn't mean I'm not nervous. It also has an interesting cast. You've got Ewan McGregor. As uh, yep. adult Danny Torrance. Which I'm fine with. Given the story and where I know what happens, I think Ewan McGregor can do a good job. Um, I think, Zaz- is Zazie Beetz in this movie? I think she is. Um, as we know from, she was Domino in, uh, in Deadpool. Which I loved her in Deadpool. Deadpool 2. Um, I'm pretty sure she is in this movie. I could be totally wrong. I know she's in... Um, I know she is in uh, uh, the new Joker movie that's coming out. Oh yeah, that looks uh, that looks interesting. Have you heard? Did you see Mark Maron's statement about it? Yes, that it's really just like a take on a psychopath, like a deep dive of someone with like murderous psychosis. Right, which I am totally on board with. And if that's the direction they're going to take it, that's the direction that I want to see it in. Um, you know what? I, I could be wrong. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing Doctor Sleep on her uh on her IMDB credits. That's fine. Um But uh so we've got that one. That's an upcoming King adaptation that we're very much looking forward to. But then let's talk to let's kind of bookend our episode right now with the one that is literally coming out the day this episode comes out, which is Pet, Pet Cemetery. Which is I... garnering critical praise right now ahead I know, of and release. I think we had in an episode a handful of weeks ago talked a little bit about it because they they showed the trailer that revealed a little bit of the switch that people have talked about from the book to movie sure and so I was nervous I was on record as being nervous but willing to go with the movie if it was still good and King has come out now and said that he's on board with that yeah he said that it his exact words I think were it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I kind of agree with that, you know? I mean, think about the uh Mary Lambert's version. If it had Gage hits harder cuz he's younger. Sure. But the facilities of an older child could be more scary and the real true theme of the story is don't fuck with dark magic. Right, for sure. So all of that can stay the same. Right. And so I'm very excited. I love John Lithgow. I'm excited to see his take on uh, Judd Crandall. Yeah. And I love that he's not doing the... Uh, An impression of... Of... Yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, oh, fuck. The, uh, the dad from the Munsters. Yeah. I can't remember his name. I don't know. Uh, Fred... No, Ed... Fred? Fred something. It's Fred something. Uh, doesn't matter. 
I mean, it does matter. He was also the the judge in My Cousin Vinny, and he's amazing. But he is Fred Gwynn. Thank you, Fred Gwynn's. Oh, I don't want to go down our rod. Right. Oh, I love it. It's just he's so good. I love. I'm very happy that John Lithgow has decided to not do that. It's just be a kindly old, old man. neighbor, which is yep. what you know what the character was in the book. But Jason Patrick. Yep. Oh man, you give me some Jason Patrick in a movie, I'm gonna be happy. Wait, wait, wait. That's, wait, wait. That's a different that, name. That, that's a different name. Yeah, it's uh, hold on. I'm Who am I thinking of? You. You're thinking of Jason Clark. I am. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Give me. You give me some Jason Clark in a movie. Jason I'm, Patrick was in like uh, he's like a '90s action star. I guy. think. I think what I'm doing is I'm merging uh, Jason Clark and Patrick Wilson. Got it. Which makes sense. Odd in a in a roundabout way. I can see that. I kind of Bill Baxton, Bill Pullman them too. Got it. And I uh, get that. More than more than I want to. I'm like, yeah, was Jason Clark Night Owl in The Watchmen? He wasn't? Crap. Okay. <laughs> but I loved Patrick Wilson in that in that Apes movie. No, wrong again. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> Got it. So um I had made a joke about Triple Frontier casting both Garrett Hedlund and Charlie Hoonan. Uh, Which are the basically movie. the same person. Yeah. But then I said, in all fairness. The movie made them brothers, which was smart. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then that they're totally... like older and younger brother. I still can't tell them apart, but they're related in the movie, which is smart. That totally that totally makes sense. Holy shit! I am looking at that can't be right. Is that right? what? Uh, I'm looking at uh, the IMDb for um, for Pet Cemetery, and uh-huh. one of the directors. Uh, uh, David Widmire. On his credit list, it says that he is making Mama Two. The Stephen King. Thing? No, Ma- Mama like the uh, like the Machete first oh. movie. Oh, interesting. Like hit that like Machete's very first movie. It says he's listed as the director of Mama Two. Oh, weird. Um, maybe which, it's Throw Mama from the Train Two. Maybe that would make um, more sense. But they really haven't done. I'm looking at like some of their credits. The directors really haven't done a whole lot. Uh, I will say did, though, they did Starry do a movie Eyes called Starry Eyes. Is fucking great. I haven't seen Starry Eyes. You you would dig it, except for the end. Okay, it gets it, real brutal, real violent near okay. the end. But it's real good. Like it is one of the, the honestly the fact that those guys had directed Starry Eyes got me more excited for them to direct Pet Cemetery because I'd seen Starry Eyes and really liked it. Got it. Okay. So as far as horror mood based uh, and violent based horror movies go, these guys have have the the skills in spades. Oh yeah. So they're they don't have David Spades, but they've got like. Spades God, that can you, you imagine dig David with. Spade playing Gage in this movie? Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> that actually. Yeah. Tiny David Spade. As long as he's getting hit by a bus or something. All right, Jay. Well, I think we should wrap up our Stephen King deep dive. I think we should. Now, do we want to do just a generic like top five Stephen King adaptations list, or do we want to do like a top five something more fun and kooky? Uh, I'm gonna defer to you. You let me know. What do you want to do? What do you think? We haven't done just a straight-up Stephen King adaptation top five, have we? We haven't. Nope. I mean, we could do that. I think ours is going to align with some of the others I've seen floating around the internet. But, I mean, sure. I we haven't had that conversation, and I think it's, you know, at least the place to start. We can come back and do another Stephen King, like, 
kooky. Here's some movies you've never heard of that you should watch when uh, It Chapter 2 is coming out. All right. So in that case, we're going to do a top five Stephen King adaptation list. Oh, yeah. I think it's time to scary list. This is where we make a list. The list. Three, two. List. All right. Sometimes dead is better, Jason. My cake. All right. So let's talk. I want to throw one out there right off the rip. We mentioned it earlier when we were talking. I think the Green Mile has to be on the list. I love the Green Mile. Now, the thing about it is. The Green Mile and Shawshank are very close in, like, thematic prison-based. Sure. I would vote the Green Mile. Over Shawshank? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, okay, we'll have to and put a main, pin in that. Hit, hold on. I, have I, I do have a, reason, I have a reasoning for that. Uh, one is I feel like it's a, it's a more impressive feat that they were able to condense seven novellas into right. a single movie and really not drop any of the story threads. I'm not going to disagree that it's not impressive. I just personally think Shawshank's a much better film. Really? I've even yeah. recently rewatched both, and I still think Green Mile is a better film. Really? Yeah. I mean, it. It. I cried in the Green Mile, and I did not cry in Shawshank. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's if that's the criteria. <laughs> if we're going solely off of performances, I think you have a much larger cast in the Green Mile, and they they have much stronger perf- the fact that you were able to get seven main actors all giving 110% performances oh, it's no. also another another just feat i'm not taking anything away from green mile i'm just saying why can't I'm we not have sure. both I'm 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 not saying we can't okay. i'm just saying there are a lot of good movies and all i right. know where this usually goes is we try to pick one i know theme. one prison movie so that's fine uh, we'll we'll We'll, I'll put Shawshank on here as another one to consider, okay. and then we can whittle if we need. Uh, um, because I, that's the one I, I'm in. I'm in Camp Shawshank. I would also like to put It Chapter One on the list. I, I think the It 2019 is is definitely a worthy addition. I, I personally just think, I think Stand by Me has to be on here. Okay. I, I don't I don't know what the original source material was, so I when I think Stephen King adaptations, I don't ever think of Stand By Me. Which kinda is why I want it on here. Just okay. to show how much the source material is exactly the same. Sure. It's almost exactly the same as the movie. Except it was called The Body. Sure. That's the that's really the only difference. Um and it's just it's such a seminal just as as film goes. Sure. It's up there. And now and we, we did, we're we talking adaptations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we're saying the best adaptations of the original source material. And I would say that when, at, when it comes to the source material is, is up there. Okay. So wh- I'm just using that to further my lobbying for the Green Mile. The Green Mile. Because it is a more accurate adaptation of the source material they fleshed out a lot of made-up stuff in shawshank and you know that was not stuff that was in the book i mean and the biggest one is red right the reason he's called red is that he's a huge irish guy exactly with red hair so 
My, my uh, argument is solely for adaptation here. So if that's where, if that's the angle we're leaning on, then the rest has to be in that prism, and I'm I'm fine with going that direction. And I'm I thinking still, we I also can't include The Shining on this list. We can't because, because one, not, the miniseries sucks, right. and two, the movie's not a good adaptation of the source. Exactly. Material. But I will say that it chapter one was a really good adaptation. Mm-hmm. They did change a couple things, but yeah. not not nearly to the level that the it miniseries changed things. I would agree. If we're doing pure adaptation based ones, I would say the Dead Zone should be on there. Oh, I'd agree with that. I love that movie. I would say the Dead Zone. Can I pitch Carrie? I think Carrie is up there. Yeah, for sure. Now they do change a handful of things from Carrie. Um, but you know, do you think it was enough though no. to really like, it was great. Um, what about, um, misery, misery. That's what I was going to say with Kathy Bates. I, I almost demand that misery is on here. Okay. Misery I'm, I'm fine one, with that. I, that one movie of the, is amazing. Yes. It is one of the best, not only films that he's ever been a part of, but adaptations in general. Now they do change the hobbling, but I think they make it better. Sure. It's sort of like the sort of like the mist. What about what you ready about for this? Mist? What about Gerald's game? The thing is, I am totally on board with that. But it's making our list so much harder to whittle down. I know, but it is a fantastic adaptation. And that's that's the a once nearly again impossible story to adapt. And that's kind of what what I'm saying is the feat alone that they were able to that Mike Flanagan was able to make a movie that was good off of what people have said for years was an unadaptable book. Right. Is really impressive. All right. The other two, I've got two more that I want to mention. Okay. And we're talking movies here, like not miniseries, right? Yeah, we're talking movies. Okay. Or, I mean, I guess we could include miniseries. I would rather not. It'll make it harder. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we um, can save another list for best Stephen King miniseries. Yeah, I think we, I think we could. Or just ranking them, putting them in sure. order. Sure. Sure, sure. So, I would say the Mist and Pet Cemetery are the last two that I would that yep. I really want to consider. Same, same. So that that makes it a bit harder. Although, um, if we're doing adaptation again, and as much as that pains me, the Mist ending is different than the ending of the book. It is, but a lot of the rest of it is the same. I agree. So, but how how stringently? Because I'm I'm using the adaptation argument to to bolster my vote for the Green Mile. So how stringently <laughs> how stringently do we need to adhere to the adaptation? Well, here's what we've got. You <laughs> let me recap where we are in this process. Okay. Because of the your bolstering and because of the angle we're taking, I've removed um, Shawshank from the list. Oh shit. Okay. We have nine options that we need to whittle down to five to five okay so we have the green mile okay we have it chapter one we have stand by me we have the dead zone we have carry misery gerald's game the mist and pet cemetery fuck we need to figure out four of those to eliminate based on either the quality and enjoyment of the film or how closely it had it adhered to the novel or the novelization by Stephen King. Okay. I would say I would be okay with removing, unfortunately, it chapter one from this list. Oh God. Com- compared to everybody else. You're right. Yep. You're right. You're right. Not, I'm not taking anything away from that film though. 
It's also not a complete story yet. It's not. And, and they maybe, changed quite a bit. They did change quite a bit, especially and, the whole Mike Hanlon storyline is very And I'm different. not saying they made it worse or better. I'm saying they changed a lot. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's fair. That's fair. I would almost also throw out, as much as I don't want to, The Mist. Because yeah. it's a good movie, but it is much more pulpy. And if I'm stacking it up against Carrie and Misery, like... I know, I know. That's what makes it I so I feel hard. like it can't stack up to those movies. I know. I... And I almost am willing... Like, I almost want to remove the Green Mile now. Because I feel like the Green Mile doesn't even, like, really hold up against some of these other movies as just films. That is a problem... And I agree. So here, here, let me let me do this because I also am pained by it because I had to remove Shawshank, and if we're right. going to take Green Mile off now, I feel even worse. But here's what we've here we've got seven now. Okay, Green Mile, Stand by Me, Dead Zone, Carrie, Misery, Gerald's Game, and Pet Cemetery. Of those, I think Green Mile is the weakest link. I agree with that. And has to go home. I do. So that now we're down to six. So we just got to get rid of one more. We got to get rid of one more and we got to organize. Okay. And what are they? Read read the six to me one more time. All right. Stand by me. Yep. Dead zone. Carrie. Misery. Gerald's game. And pet cemetery. Oh, fuck me. The thing is, I'm going to say something that's going to be that, that, that it's going to pain me to say. Gerald's game. No, actually. Oh, okay. Um, stand by me. Oh, okay. I think Gerald's game has to stay on here because it adapted an impossible adaptation. Sure. And, and it, it is it a well. shining example of current era. Yeah. King yeah. and how it can be done well. And I think the dead, basically it's coming down between the dead zone and stand by me. And I God, think the I dead know. zone Oh, what, between those two, which would you vote for? Or or which one would you eliminate from these six? I don't know. The Dead Zone is a fantastic story. It is. Just in general. Um, I feel Walken like is amazing in it. He is. Even Michael Sheen is awesome yep. in that movie as the bad guy. Yep. How ad- how, I don't know how it adheres to the novel. It's, it's the same thing as everything's pretty close, except some things are kind of merged together. Some characters are merged and the end is changed a little. It's changed a bit. Okay. Um, honestly, if we're going by straight up adaptations, the Stand by Me is closer than the Dead Zone. But I feel like the Dead Zone is more of a Stephen King story than Stand by Me is. Sure. But I don't know. Parts of Stand by Me are also a very Stephen King esque. It's about adolescent childhood. It's Friendships. about It's about g- growing, growing up, up. and. It, it very perfectly captures an era. Um, fuck. I don't know. I, I almost feel like we could lose the dead zone only because we have more horror king yeah. represented in Carrie and Misery. And, you know, they show yeah. that horror aspect. All right. All right. I'm just, I'm just, you know what? I'm making a decision. I'm getting rid of the dead zone. Okay. Oh, I hate that. I know. But whatever. <laughs> Honorable mention. Honorable mention. All right, now we've got our five. We just need to put them in order. All right, so what do we got? We've got Stand By Me, yep. Carrie, yep. Misery, Gerald's Game, and Pet Cemetery. Oh, fuck. I uh, almost 
would switch Carrie and Gerald's game. So it would be like Stand By Me is one, Gerald's game is two, Misery is three, Carrie is four, and Pet Cemetery is five. Ooh. That actually feels, that feels close. I actually don't hate that list at all. Um What was four and five? Carrie and Pet Cemetery. I put Misery above Carrie just because of Kathy Bates. Yeah, for sure. And I have Stand by and Me James as number Kong. one. Um, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. What about if we switch Misery and Stand by Me? So it's Misery is yes. number one. Gerald's game is number two. Stand by Me number three. Yep. Or, okay, well, let me do that, and then we'll see how we feel about. It. Yeah, yeah, I think I like this because Misery is just amazing. So we've got Misery is number one. Gerald's Game is number two. Yep. Stand By Me is number three. Yep. Carrie is number four. And Pet Cemetery is number five. The Mary yep. Lambert Pet yep. Cemetery. I would say that feels pretty legit. I dig it. That's and it. And just to clarify, everybody, this is pure adaptation from the source material. Yep. So all the ones that you guys love, trust us, we love those too. And we and will list them on future lists, I and, am and sure. We'll have more Stephen King episodes so we can get to all of them. But for right now, this is your definitive top five of which Stephen King adaptations are the top five. That's right. And now, everyone, go buy a ticket and go see Pet Cemetery Because that's what we're going to do. Bye. Bye. Dead is, dead is better. Sometimes podcast is better. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E. T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. <sighs> Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast. On Twitter at high the number five the podcast. Instagram at high five the podcast. Or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) Moving the headstones but not moving the bodies? (laughs) Maybe. See you next week.
Casper. That's a wrap. God printed. What happened to the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.